going to read the last part of John chapter 5 from verse 31 to the end of the chapter. And Mahobo is coming to read for us. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified the truth. I do not that I accept the human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than of John, for the works that the Father has given to me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his voice form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the loving of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father, your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you are not, but since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Thank you, Mohabo, so much for reading. Um, good morning and welcome. Uh, to St Anne's once again, to St Anne's this morning. Um, if you're new this morning, it might be helpful for you to know that we're in the second, uh, part two of our four-part series um, in John's Gospel, uh, The Way to Eternal Life. And this week we're in the second half um, of John chapter five, that's page 1069 in your church Bibles. Do keep your Bibles open. Well, the question I'd like to begin with this morning is this. What's Jesus' verdict on those who reject what he says? What's Jesus' verdict on those who reject what he says? Well, the world is full of those who reject what he says, isn't it? Perhaps you've got friends, colleagues, neighbours, or even family members, like I do, who reject what Jesus says. I have a very dear Muslim friend who has a really high regard for Jesus, but he cannot, he just cannot accept when Jesus says he is God. I was talking to uh, Sarah and Paul, uh, members of our congregation. Um, they're involved in the outreach work that goes on at St Anne's, which involves sharing Jesus with our community uh, members on Friday afternoons. And they found that whilst most people uh, were willing to chat, the majority of people politely reject what Jesus says. Perhaps even closer to home, just think of the Church of England, who are involved with ongoing dialogues and discussions about human sexuality 
and gender. The world is full of people who reject what Jesus says. What is Jesus' verdict on those who reject what he says? Well, in our passage last week, um, it was full of Jesus, it was full of, um, it was full of those, uh, like the Jewish leaders actually, who rejected what Jesus said. Jesus said that, that, that God was his father, and they were so angry about that, that they put him on trial. But in Jesus' defense, we discovered that he is in fact the son who brings life, and the son who gives judgment. And the way he does that is through his words. Famous words from last week, uh, John chapter five, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. His voice must be heard, even if it's the Sabbath. The verdict for Jesus is not guilty. But what about the verdict for the Jewish leaders? Jesus is the judge, we found out last week, and they rejected what he had to say, and they tried to kill him. But if Jesus is the judge, he is the one in charge. He is the one who has the final say. It is his verdict that matters. So what is Jesus' verdict on those who reject what he says? Well, point one, Jesus says they're guilty because they reject the testimony about him. Jesus says they're guilty because they reject the testimony about him. Now, a testimony uh, is a declaration of uh, truth or a fact. Let's look at verses 31 to 40 and let's play a game. Let's see how many times the word testifies, testified, testimony or testify uh, comes up. Uh, basically, any word that begins with the word test is a game that all the children can uh, get involved with. And there's actually even a prize involved as well. Do guess if you're under the age of 12, if you're over the age of 12, you can definitely play as well. Um, you can guess the right answer. You can come and, come and find me at the end of the service and I will come and um, give you a prize. Everyone ready? So let's read from verse 31. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form nor does his word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sends. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me 
to have life. Now, I'm not going to tell you the answer right now, how many there were, but we all know that the, the, those test words come up quite a lot, don't they, in that little paragraph? And like I said before, a testimony is a declaration of truth or a fact. And that's why it's used in a court of law. And that's convenient because we're in the courtroom and this is Jesus' evidence. He's got the witness of John the Baptist. He's got his works, the amazing miracles, and he's got the word, all of scripture that points to him. So the first thing that Jesus does is call his witness, John the Baptist, to the stand. Now, even the Jewish leaders recognized John the Baptist as a great prophet. But John the Baptist testified about Jesus back in chapter 3, saying that he, Jesus, must increase, that I must decrease, and I must decrease. But Jesus seemingly disregards John the Baptist's testimony. Even though he's a great witness, he seems to have two even better testimonies. Read with me from verse 36. I have testimony weightier than that of John. And then he continues. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. Next up, Jesus calls his works to the stand, his miracles. They're signs that point to his ability to give life. And last week we saw how um, he was bringing life on the Sabbath. Jesus' works testify to the fact that Jesus has life-giving power. But we find the third testimony about Jesus in verse 37. Let's take a look. And the Father who sent me has life, has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Here, Jesus is calling the word to the stands. That's God's own voice through the scriptures. Jesus points out that the Old Testament, or God's voice, testifies about him. So three testimonies about Jesus. His witness, John the Baptist. His works, his life-giving power. And finally, the word, God's own voice through the scriptures. Let me say, that's a big contrast, isn't it, to other claims out there that reject what Jesus says about himself. In other religions, for example, um, Joseph Smith in Mormonism or Muhammad in Islam. See, they both claim to have personal divine encounters with an angel, and they both have a vision. But how do you verify that? It's, an imper- it's a personal encounter in a cave somewhere. No one else was there, no witness, no works, no word. But Jesus' works are public works. People actually saw the miracles. And let's be honest, if it were made up, it would probably be being dismissed a long time ago. And in next week's passage, Jesus is going to feed the 5,000. And you can't fake that. 
But it's not only Jesus' works, but scripture that is also public. We all have these Bibles in our hands, these Bibles that we've got in our hands. You know, you can actually go and see the earliest manuscripts in the British Library. All you have to do is get the uh, 15 bus and take a little walk there. Or if you wanted to go a little bit further, you could uh, go to Jerusalem and see all of the ancient manuscripts of the Old Testament, like the Isaiah scroll. You can date them, verify them. You can check Jesus' birthplace, his lineage, the prophecies that were spoken about him. It's all public and verifiable. Jesus' witness, his works, and the word testify to him. Now, this point is order, order, the judge says. At this point, you might be thinking that Jesus is bringing up all of this evidence to add to his defense against the Jewish leaders. But he's actually using it to prosecute them. That's right, because Jesus is no longer in the dock. The Jewish leaders are It's this wonderful role reversal, actually, in the courtroom. Let's read from verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Despite Jesus' witness, his works and the word, the Jewish leaders reject the testimony about Jesus. They reject what he says. Verse 40, again, you refuse to come to me to have life. What is Jesus' verdict on those who reject what what he says? Well, there's a prosecution going on and Jesus' verdict is unanimous. Point one, they're guilty because they reject the testimony about him. But now, Jesus digs deeper. Point two, they're guilty because they prefer glory from others. Let's read from verse 41. Jesus says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Verse 42, they don't have the love of God in their hearts. Verse 43, they don't accept Jesus. Why won't the Jewish leaders come to Jesus because verse 44 they accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God now if anyone had the had reason to think they were great and deserved a bit of glory from others it was the Jewish leaders you know what they're like they look so good on the outside they've got all the right gear They're always at every single Bible study, always first at the prayer meeting, always on time, etc., etc., etc. Oh, they may have looked holy, 
But the Jewish leaders hated Jesus because they were proud. And Jesus could see straight through them. And we see the same response today, don't we? People still hate Jesus' words. They're thrown out in our world as bigoted, offensive and wrong. And people pretend to do so for such pious reasons. It's all about equality, diversity and love. But it's a lie. The world won't listen to Jesus because it doesn't want to listen to Jesus. And you can tell because so few people in our world actually know what Jesus said. Their hatred of his message is as big as their ignorance of it. They stand in judgment over Jesus, but one day he will stand in judgment over them. Now, I'm sorry to say, but um, my wife and I are reasonably big Harry Potter fans. Um, I hope I'm not alone on that. Um, Our eldest daughter is actually uh, just over four now, so we've probably got a few years until Pottermania kind of takes hold of the Kassoon household. Anyway, uh, J.K. Rowling, the, uh, the author of Harry Potter, invented this. Anyone know what this is? Hands up, don't be shy. Anyone know what this is? People are saying no. Wow. Jenny, what do you think? It's a sorting out. Very good, very good. It's in, um, I think it's even in the first film, in the first book, in fact. Should have said the book first, shouldn't I? Um, there we go. So it's a sorting out. It's right. A hat that when you, put, when you put it on, it reveals something about you, who you are, and what you really want. Well, Jesus' words are sorting words. Words that when they meet you, they expose you. They reveal you for who you are, just like they did for the religious leaders at the time. Read for me from verse 45. But do not think that I will accuse you. Do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Moses, the prophet, who wrote so much of the Old Testament, what he wrote will judge you on that day, says Jesus. Just as the Father has delegated authority to judge on the last day to Jesus... So Jesus says he has delegated authority to the Old Testament to judge on the last day. Moses now, in the same way that Jesus gives eternal life, can point you to Jesus. Jesus is revealing that these Jewish leaders don't actually believe what Moses wrote at all. And Jesus' words expose them. It's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Just think back to those Jewish leaders in John chapter 5. There they are, listening to Jesus speak for those 28 verses. Their arms are crossed, their brows knitted, angry faces, waiting 
just waiting for Jesus to shut up. And all the time, they have no clue that the voice they're hearing is the voice they will hear on the final day. More than that, their final day destiny is being decided there and then by those words. As those words sort them and show them up for what they are. Order, order. But of course, what we ought to have thought, even as I said those words just now, was hang, hang on a second, we're all at church, listening to the same voice now, hearing those same words now. Remember John chapter 5, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my, vo- my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And it is true when you read John chapter 5, when you read any of John, not just the red letter bits, when you read your Bible, that you are in every bit as much in the presence of the voice of the final judge of all as they were then, with all the same privileges and all the same peril. Each one of us, each one of us will be weighed. We will all be decided by the judge, by the voice that ultimately counts. Praise Jesus is the judge that he has revealed himself. Praise Jesus that you can be on his side. His name is Jesus and we must not forget that. My friend, in the end, there is only one judge that you do not want to be on the wrong side of. If you're new and you don't yet know this, resolve it now, resolve it this morning. Whatever I do, whatever my life counts for, whatever my friends, whatever my family think, whatever my my culture may think, I must not be on the wrong side of Jesus. You know, when when we read this book, Jesus' words, you are coming directly into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Jesus' words are the judge. The Bible has the final say. It is the judge of our lifestyles and our ethics, no matter how popular they are, no matter how relentless the direction of our culture is. If the Bible names it as evil, it is evil, and we must say so. It is the judge of truth. The judge that matters is not the truth according to LBC or the BBC. It's not the truth according to the Archbishop or the truth according to Merv Kassoon, or the truth according to Richard Bray, for that matter. The truth that matters is the truth according to Jesus Christ. Any of the the above only matter insofar as we agree with him. Primarily, though, what uh, what is under judgment this morning and every day is not our controversies, our hot button topics. It is us. Every time you come to this book, 
whether you're trying to resolve a dispute or not, there is a trial going on. You are hearing the judge of all. The voice of the Lord Jesus is sorting you, judging you and judging me, judging us. What is Jesus' verdict on those who reject what he says? Well, they're guilty because they refuse the testimony about him. And they're guilty because they prefer the glory of others. Let's not do the same. Let's tremble at his voice. Let's pray. This is the one to whom I will look. And this is the one to whom I will esteem. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my words. Father, we praise you so much that these words don't just condemn, but they bring life. We pray that you would give us the conviction that through your word, must ju- that your word must judge all of our disputes, that it would give us a real sense of awe and wonder as we come to it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.